0: Well, hey! Before we dive into the message today, um, I just have a few quick uh, announcements and kind of some updates. We are kind of in a two-part collection of talks, if you want to call it that, uh, where we're really just talking about the heart uh, and the vision of this house and where we're going uh, in this upcoming season. And I know for me, I have uh, I have been more excited about church the past like two weeks than I have been in a very, very, very long time. I was meeting with someone. Uh, just a few days ago, and just, just expressing how excited I am for what I believe God is about to do, uh, and ultimately what God is doing already, which you're going to hear a little bit about that uh, today. But uh, one of the things I want to do is, I know that we have some new people here in the house, and don't worry, I'm not going to make you raise your hand or come up to the front or anything like that, uh, but also for our regular church uh, attenders, um, one of the things I want to do before we really dive into the message is just talk about how we're set up as a church, getting some feedback up here, just letting you know. Um, and and as a church, our church governance is, um, is really staff-led and uh, elder-guided, if that makes sense, staff-led and elder-guided, and so our staff are the ones that primarily do the majority of the the heavy lifting here, as long as long as well as our serve team members, y'all, anyone who serves, big shout out to you guys. Um, But our staff is the ones that are the the primary, like, we're taking the vision, we're going to run with it, we're going to execute it. But we have got an amazing group of men who stand around our staff, and they protect us, they shepherd us, they guide us, they hold us accountable. They also hold me accountable. They have the tough conversations. They tell me to shut up sometimes, um, and that's not a lie. And uh, they rebuke me whenever I need a good rebuking. And so what I want to do is, for those that don't know, I just want to ask our elders to stand up just right where you are just real quick if you'll stand up in the house y'all give it up for them so we have Kevin Boydell we've got Tony Williams we've got Jimmy Waltersdorf I always just call him Jimmy it's Jim or James and then Gabriel Guzman who also goes by Gabe Um, and so thank you guys for for what you do Uh, And then a few other just quick updates as we we dive into today. And I believe today is a very prophetic message for this church. And I don't say that in a way that is, um, I don't want to be like super spiritual, right? But I I believe that God kind of just downloaded all of this for where we are in this uh, season as a church. Um, One of the things I want to let you guys know about is uh, we've seen some amazing thing happen amazing things happen I can't talk today uh, in our next gen ministry and department uh, and I'm really just excited about what God is doing they had almost 40 kids last week uh, over there at city kids which is awesome and um, for those that were here last week, you heard the loud noise, and so uh, they were like very thankful that we participated with them. If you weren't here last week, just go watch it on YouTube because it was super funny and totally not planned at all. But uh, we, as we enter into the fall, we just want to kind of give some updates with the next gen, and and one of those is we're really trying to take a team approach towards next gen ministry. Uh, but we also know that there has to be a point person. Uh, with the ministry as well. And so uh, many of you guys know Lauren Stewart, who is absolutely amazing. Lauren Stewart is going to be transitioning into that point person. Your kids already love her. Uh, your kids are already excited. I'm telling you, anytime like, Miss Lauren's teaching today, it's like, woo, I'm excited about church. And you know, not that our other teachers aren't exciting. You know, Lauren just has this capacity to yell. All right, I've, I've seen her like, she's like, Jesus loves you. And then they all start yelling and and stuff. Um, And so Lauren's going to be taking kind of that point person. But again, we want to have a team approach. And so Gigi is going to be continuing to help with the uh, really just kind of the background, the scheduling, the policies, making sure that everything is kind of running in line. Uh, And then on top of that, we've got an amazing group of people who serve over there who absolutely love your kids and they want to create the best possible kids experience uh, for your children to where they can continue to grow in their relationship with the Lord. And so can we just give it up for City Kids for just a moment? And then I got two more quick things. Um, September 17th, we've been talking about it really since June, We want to invite everyone and bring some people with you. It's going to be an amazing day here at City Church, and we're going to do something as a church that will have a kingdom impact that's much bigger than ourselves uh, and is ultimately going to end up affecting um, people in other places, in another country, and I'm extremely excited about that. Uh, And so we just want to encourage you to come out on September 17th. And then my last quick announcement, and I'm sorry I've just got so many announcements. Israel interest meeting. If you're interested in going to Israel in May of 2025, we're going to meet directly after we dismiss, about 10 minutes after we dismiss, and here for a quick 15 minute meeting. We just want to give you some information and just kind of get an idea of who is interested. And so that's what's going on. All right, you guys ready? All right, there we go. Come on, Jerry. Let's go, baby. Woo! All right, hey. If you're new here, do I get loud? Yes, I do. We're so glad you're here. Um, Hey, today I I have a message, and this is my title for the message. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? And as a church, we have this saying around here that we are for the one, right? We're for the one. We have our mission statement, which I'll go over in just a minute. But for the one, and, and really what that means is that everything we do, we want to be for the audience of one, for the glory of God, for his kingship and lordship because of what Jesus has done. And we want to lift up our voices, and we want to link arms with one another, and we want to join in group participation, and we want to serve, and we want to give For the one, for our Heavenly Father. But also, we exist for the one, for the one who is far from God as well. And what I love about today's talk is we're really going to be looking at that statement kind of as an overview about how if we approach God with a hunger and we also have a missional mindset, we will see that God will end up interacting in our lives and kind of colliding and heaven will end up invading earth in our own little space Uh, in in whatever capacity the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so our mission here at City Church is we exist to lead people who are far from God into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the fact of the matter. All of us are doing one of two things. Are you leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus? Or are you leading people away from Jesus? There is no, uh, you know, kind of in between Every decision, every interaction, every conversation we have, it either points us with an opportunity to lead people closer to Jesus or gives us the opportunity to lead people away from Jesus. Now, I say that because of of what I believe God is wanting to do in this season as a church and what I believe he is starting to stir up and already stirring up in the hearts of so many people here is I believe God has called us to be a missional church. And what I mean by that is that we would embody the mission of the gospel, and we would go out and make disciples who make disciples. And we talked about that last week and and what that looks like in the context of City Church. But what I want to kind of lay before you guys today is that I believe that there's some things that God wants to stir in our heart. There's some things that I believe God wants to give us opportunities for. There's some things that as we enter into school, how many of the students are excited about school? That's what I thought, right? Like, so um, yeah, all right. How many of the parents are excited about school? Woo! Yeah, okay, so uh, that's, that's cool. So as we get ready for school, as universities kick back in, as many of us are getting back in our routines, and we're going back to work on a more consistent basis, and we're preparing for the fall season, there are going to be opportunities in our life for us to live missional lives to be able to impact people for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God. And as I was kind of going through this week and just really praying and just like, Lord, um, this passage of scripture just kept sticking out to me. And it's really a huge passage. We're actually going to walk through an entire chapter of the Bible today. So y'all pray for me that we end on time. All right. Um, We won't. Thanks. I love you, too. Um, (laughs) He's probably right, though. All right. So uh, but. I, I, I believe that this kind of embodies where we are as a church and the opportunities that God is placing before us. And so if you have your scripture, I want to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 10. And as you're turning there, just to kind of set it up just a little bit, um, we're about to learn about a man named Cornelius. And Cornelius was a, was a guy who, who was Roman. He was Italian. Uh, he loved his pasta and his meatballs. Any Italian lovers in here? Yeah, come on, we're in the north. I know, like, everything's Italian, right? Um, He loved his pasta, he loved his meatballs, his cannolis. Yeah, come on, they're so good and sweet and uh, raise your blood sugar. and, and in that a part of the roman culture was that he also was worshiping multiple gods and historically speaking cornelius kind of got to this point where he's like i'm worshiping these multiple gods the way that the roman culture tells me to but i'm not finding any satisfaction in my life and there was a hunger that started to develop in cornelius and he started saying well well i, I i'm not getting my prayers answered i'm not finding uh, satisfaction over here and so he started Started searching out all these different religions and was kind of landing on man, the Jewish people have something so special. And so he packed up his family and, and he moved to Caesarea. And whenever he got to Caesarea, he started to really focus on finding out more about who God is. Instead of there being multiple gods, there has to be one God. And so we pick up in Acts chapter 10, uh, verses 1 and 2. It says at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what is known as the Italian cohort. Shout out to the, all the Italians in the house. A devoted man, now catch this, who feared God. He feared God. He, he wasn't entirely sure who God was, but he had a fear of God, a reverence for God with all of his household. And he gave alms generously to people. So he feared God and he had generosity that was kind of rooted in his heart. And then I think this is the other thing. He prayed continuously to God. He prayed continuously. There was a hunger that God was doing already in Cornelius' heart before he ever heard about this man named Jesus and what Jesus did in his life. And we've been saying this for, for a while, but God shows up where he's wanted. Can I get an amen? amen. I'm going to be vocal today, so y'all got to be vocal back. We're going to be real vocal, all right? Um and, and whenever, uh, man, whenever there is a hunger for God in our lives, whenever there is a hunger for us to encounter truth, man, God will, it's, as it talks about Matthew chapter. Uh, seven is, is you ask, you, you knock, you bang that door, it's going to be open for you. God will meet you right where you are. And so if you're new here today or maybe you were drugged here by a friend and you're coming in this place and you're searching and you're saying, man, I, I just don't know. I'm just kind of in this place where I, I need church, I need God, but I don't know what that looks like. I'm here to tell you that Jesus will meet you. Jesus wants to meet you right where you are in your brokenness, in your confusion, with your questions, with your doubts. Jesus desires to meet you. And Cornelius was searching for a solution. And this is what happens in in verse 3. He said, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And I just assume that that's what the angel sounded like, okay? Cornelius, yes, yes, yes. just kind of fades off. Very. I, I'm trying, brother, I'm trying. Anyways. Now, what happens is Cornelius is sitting there praying. He's like, I'm going to pray to God. I'm not entirely sure who this is, but I'm, you know, I'm going to put my faith in something. I'm going to believe in something. I'm just going to trust that God's going to do whatever it is he can do. And, and God meets him. God meets him, and God gives him a vision. And in this vision, he sees this angel, and this angel comes up to him and says, Hey, Cornelius, um, your prayers have been heard. Your prayers have been heard. And on top of that, um, I'm already preparing a way for you. And so I want you to take a few men, three men to be exact, and I want you to take them, and I want you to send them to Joppa to go find a man named Simon Peter." To go find a man named Simon Peter. And, and so the first thing I want to say today is God prepares the heart of individuals. Like I, I, as a church, if we're going to be a missional church, a church that's living to make disciples, a church that wants to serve and, and, and have radical generosity in our lives, we need to be reminded that the interactions that we come with, God prepares the heart God prepares the heart. The people that walked in here today, you may not even know it, but God is already preparing your heart. You walked in here today. Maybe you were dragging here today. I don't know. But God prepares the heart. And I just need to say this. For us church, for people that call City Church your home, we have to rest assured that God's going to do what God wants to do. We have to understand that our response is simply just obedience. Now, Cornelius, he he has these three men and he sends them to Joppa. And meanwhile, this is what's happening in Joppa. Jump with me to verse nine real quick. It says, the next day. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And so Peter and his crew, they're coming into Joppa, and they're getting ready to pray and and just kind of, you know, hanging out. They're just like, all right, man, it's it's time to pray. And this is what happens. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. All right, I'm going to give you the Michael Moore translation. Is that cool? All right. Guys, it's the sixth hour. it's noon. I've got to go pray. I'm a little hungry. I know you guys are preparing the food, and so I'm, I'm just going to go and I'm just going to pray and Almighty Father, I thank you for your grace and for your love. and I'm oh, just, just Come on, don't tell me you've never fallen asleep while you're praying. Anybody? Anybody's like, come on, we got to spend an hour with God. You're sitting there 30 minutes in. I remember whenever I first became a youth pastor in Texas, we would have prayer at 8 a.m. as a staff. And, man, they put on, you know, um, the, the music, you know, Hillsong back in the day, the good stuff of Hillsong. And, um, and sitting there, and I'm just sitting there, I'm just like, some of y'all do that during my preaching. I'm in the middle of preaching, and you're just like, just can't even stay awake. I'm so hungry. He fell asleep. He fell into a trance, right? He, he fell in, into this trance, um, and, and in this trance, he ends up having this vision. So God prepares the heart. God prepares the heart. And while he's having this this vision and he's hungry, he ends up seeing this white sheet that comes down from heaven. And I'm telling you, there's all kind of animals on there. There's bacon, and there's more bacon, and there's more bacon, and there's more bacon. And God says, hey, Peter, I want you to rise up and go eat the bacon. Can I get an amen from someone? Any bacon lovers in the house? Again, this is Michael Moore's interpretation. Don't judge me. You can take it up with the elders, just saying, all right? And, and so um, he's getting this revelation from God that came from a place of prayer. Now, what's interesting is Cornelius is meanwhile in Caesarea, and he's praying, and God, boom, meets him. And then Peter, he's in Joppa, and he's praying, and boom, God meets him. And in the same way God is preparing the heart, God also reveals the uh, prayer, reveals the heart of God. Prayer reveals the heart of God. See, whenever we take our moments and we spend time in prayer, man, God will reveal his heart to you. Some of you, you want to know what God's thinking? Here's how you can know what God's thinking. You get on your face and you cry out to him. Even if you fall asleep, you wake back up and you keep praying. At least you're falling asleep, you know, focusing on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords instead of Netflix, or Peacock, or whatever other streaming device is out there, because there's like 72 now. But prayer reveals the heart of God. God was giving Peter a plan. And he gives him this vision, and Peter rises up from this vision, and he said, God, I can't kill and eat these things. I can't kill a pig because it's unclean. And God says this, Do not call common or uncommon what is common. Do not not call what uh, you think is unclean that I've called clean. Meaning the, the very thing that you've been told because of religion not to do is the very thing that I'm trying to usher you into. I'm trying to change your perception, change your perspective of what God can do and ultimately for Peter, what God was doing in that moment. I think about our lives. I think about our lives and how often we look at people and we perceive a particular lifestyle on them simply by the way that they dress. Or we look at other people and we say there's no way that the gospel will ever reach them. We, we look at individuals and we, we say there's no way that they're going to amount to anything because of the maybe the family surrounding that they've got or their upbringing or whatever it may be in our lives, we go about our lives and there's some level of prejudice that we have towards other people if we were truly transparent with ourselves. And what God is doing in this moment through Peter and through Cornelius is he's starting to tear down the perception and the prejudice that was creeping up. And I believe today that God is wanting to do the exact same thing for us in the city of Albany. And so let me, I'm not trying to get political, but let me just say this. Albany has seen an influx of refugees. I just need to say this. Regardless of your political stance, those refugees matter to Jesus. Every one of them has a name. Their name matters to God. Their story matters to God. And God wants them to become sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. Every one of them. And so it's important for us to remember that whenever we are reading the Scripture, he continues on in verses 17 through 23. We're going to read a little bit. Is that cool? He says, Now why Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gates, verse 18, and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Verse 21, And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one that you are looking for. What is the reason for for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well-spoken by the whole Jewish nation, Nation was directed by the holy angel to send for you and to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied them. Now I love this right here. Because God is preparing the heart of Cornelius. God is speaking to the heart of Peter saying, hey, I want you to do something that's a little unorthodox. I want you to do something that's going to be out of your comfort zone. And Peter's response is, hey, if this is what God's telling me to do, my answer is yes. In church, I believe that God is wanting to do something in your life and in my life and in this community's life. But it's going to take a church that is willing to move. It's going to take a church that's willing to say yes whenever Jesus places something before us. It's going to take a church that has to recognize and understand that it's much bigger than what's happening here, but God is reconciling the world back to himself. So Ephesians 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 10. We, we have to understand that our obedience may, in, may, pre, may be predicated upon somebody else's decision to say yes, Our obedience to pray for someone may end up ushering in a healing for someone. Our obedience to invite someone over to our house may end up leading them into that growing relationship with Jesus. Our obedience to follow and and be a disciple maker and to live on mission may have a greater impact than we could ever imagine or ever see in our lives. We must Be willing to move. Oftentimes though, and I'm I'm gonna go off in a little soapbox because I got time. Well, I'm ahead of schedule right now. But oftentimes we want to stay in our Christian bubbles. We want to stay in our Christian circles. And we want to just do things that are going to be protecting us and keeping us nice and keeping us safe. And and life is just so good. And yes, we need our Christian community. But God has called the church to go out of the four walls to serve the poor, to serve the needy, to serve the broken. And for their yes to be yes and to say I'm doing this for the glory of God, regardless of the outcome, God prepares the heart. That's not up to us. What would happen if a church, a church, a community of people just responded constantly saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I'll tell you what would happen. You'd be trading your sorrows. Y'all got that? Thank you, Jess. Y'all got that? Yeah. Some of y'all are like, what is he referencing? It's all right. It's a song from 1995, Integrity Music. We are placed with opportunity around us all the time. And I love what Jim mentioned a few weeks ago about him going to the grocery store. Holy Spirit, who would you lead me to today? What conversation do you want me to have with someone? Listen, this can happen in the grocery store. You see someone in need and the Holy Spirit just highlights someone to you. This could happen um, with the barista at your local Starbucks or your local uh, coffee shop. This could happen with your neighbor that you're trying to build that relationship with. This could happen, students, when you go back to school this Tuesday or Thursday or whatever day it is. God is going to present you with opportunities, teenagers. Opportunity to be able to be bold in your faith, to be able to share about the love of Jesus. Who knows what God is going to use or do from your simple yes? This happens in universities. This could happen while we're at the gym. Some of you may know Pastor Chris Hodges. He is the pastor of Church of the Highlands. And whenever I was down in Alabama for one of the conferences, he, he shared this story. And he was really just encouraging everyone, like, let's just, let's just take the gospel, you know, to wherever it is that the Lord would lead us to. And he was talking about how he gets on this plane and he's about to study on his plane. So he puts in his AirPods, and he's flying from Birmingham, Alabama, up to Boston uh, for some conference. And, and while he's sitting there, um, this other guy gets on the plane and sits down, and he's just, like, really emotional and, and um, just, like, fighting back tears. And, you know, he's a middle-aged 45-year-old man. And, um, and, and so Pastor Chris, he takes off his headphones, and he just kind of opens up a book, and he starts reading it. And then the guy leans over to him and says, hey, uh, so what do you do? And he's like, and I love it whenever they, people ask any pastor this question, because it's like, you try to guess, you know, no one ever expects it. And so he's like, well, um, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. And he's like, oh, a pastor, okay. Well, my cousin just ended up dying, and I'm coming back from this funeral. And, and you know, we come from a Hindu background, and, and he kind of starts talking about the multiple gods and stuff. And, and so Chris just uses this as an opportunity to end up sharing the gospel with him and to share with him that there's hope found in Jesus, and there's peace found in Jesus, and there's forgiveness, and there's eternity found in Jesus. And so this whole you know, two-and-a-half-hour plane ride, um, these two guys, they're having this conversation, and then they get off the plane, and Pastor Chris was like, hey, I really enjoyed this conversation, shook the guy's hand, turned around, and started walking away. And the guy goes, hey, you've told me all about this Jesus. How do I meet Jesus? And he turns around, and he's like, I guess I should give the invitation, right? And so he walks up to the guy in the middle of the airport, right outside of the Delta, um, like you're coming out of the Delta gate right there. He sits there, and he leads this guy to Jesus Christ at Boston Airport. And the guy gets done, and he's like, I have hope again. And everyone in the airport staring at him and stuff. And, um, and then they've become really good friends, and they've kept in touch for like the past decade. Like simply because he said, I'm on an airplane, I don't need to read, I need to position myself to say yes. What could God do with you? What could God do with me? Imagine if all of us just left here and that was what we left here with. Continuing on in verse 24 through 29. He says, so he invited them in to be his guests, verse 23. The next day he rose up and he went away with them, and some of his brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expected them and had called together his relatives, his aunts, his uncles, his friends, his servants, um, you know, the whole community around him. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. I just need to say this. Um, Here at City Church, since we're talking about vision, City Church is not built upon me. I need to say that. It is built upon men and women who are passionate about Jesus. I'm going to die one day, and I pray to God that this church continues to grow and thrive and flourish and plant more churches and continue to have a kingdom impact. The moment that this church ever becomes about me, our elders kick me in the face. I mean that for real, and they will, just with their words, not with their actual shoe. Um, He continues... He says, I too am a man. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And so when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them, why did you send for me? Now, here's what I love about this moment right here. Cornelius didn't know what to expect. I mean, my God, Peter walks in and he falls down at Peter's face and, and or feet and starts worshiping Peter. I mean, did he know that Peter denied Jesus three times? Did he know that Peter questioned Jesus? Did he know that Jesus called Peter Satan? Like, he didn't know all that. He just was looking for a solution. He was looking for answers. But Peter picked him up and he said, hey, um, uh, why are you worshiping me? Let me let me tell you about something. But one of the things I think that's interesting is that Cornelius, before even hearing the gospel of Jesus, made room in his house. We have to be willing to make room. Now, I'm going to get a little preachy for a minute. Is that cool? Three of you. Great. Actually, there's like one of you. That's fine. Is that cool? Yeah. There we go. Okay. Church. I say this with all the love inside of me. We have to be willing to make room. Cornelius made room in his physical house. Peter had to make room in his heart. And all of us have to be willing to make room to some degree. Maybe it's more room for God to be in your life. Maybe it's um, room for you to open up your home for life groups. Listen, maybe it's I need to make room in my schedule to be a part of a group. This is, this is why we're trying to make it really easy for you. And, and in a few weeks, we're going to have um, Life Group Connect where we're all going to gather. We're trying to remove the barrier or the awkwardness of, like, I'm going over to their house. I don't know what they're like. Do they cook good food? Do they clean the toilet? Like, we want you to meet the people first. And so um, at the second Tuesday, second, third, and fourth Tuesday of this month, come to Life Group Connect here at the church and meet some people and allow God to make room in your heart. And then in October we're going to go out into the community and we're going to start going back to meeting in homes. But we have to continue to make room in what God is doing. Let me let me just share something else with you guys. We need to make room for the next gen. I can't believe this is a conversation already, but we're already having conversation of like, hey, we're already starting to run out of space over here on the other side of that wall. Uh, And we know that the growth season is coming. It starts next week. For all of you guys that are not church nerds, um, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And there's already talks of like, well, do we, and I'm not in favor of this right now, but I'm going to make room. There's already talks of us getting rid of our office and turning that into nursery space so that they can have more room. I'm like, we just got an office, man. It's been 11 years without an office and you're already going to take it away. That's the conversation that we're having. We also know that there's going to come a point sometime in the next four to six months where we're going to have to add another worship experience. I'm, I'm not dumb about this. I know how this thing goes. But why? So that we can make room for more people to come and hear about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Because that's what matters. So that we can point people to the one who can transform and change everything. Now I'm about to get a little touchy, but we also need to make room in our wallets. And like, listen, I love you guys. I'm not at all trying to beat you up. Many of you guys are very generous. And if you're generous and, and you practice generosity and tithing, man, thank you so much. But some of us, we don't. We don't. Now, I, I, I wasn't going to share this, but I am going to share this. And and it is what it is. Every summer, we kind of hit this lull financially, right? It's th- giving decreases. People go out on vacation. Um, we kind of know how that happens. Our budget, our monthly budget, and these are these estimated numbers, roundabout numbers, our monthly budget is uh, 35000 a month. And, and that's to continue to make sure every department is, um, has their budget, and we're able to continue to reach out. And on top of that, we give uh, 10% away as a church. Last month, the month of August, we hit around 27600 which is below budget. Now, you're probably sitting there saying, well, Michael, I, I don't know how we can hit that. I know we can hit it because we've hit it before, but we have to make room in our heart to allow God to produce generosity so that we could see the kingdom continue to advance. So, they make room. Continues on, and what happens is Cornelius tells him this is what happened and and Peter's like, all right, I'm now in this house that I'm not supposed to be in. I'm breaking the Jewish law. I'm doing something that is against my, my faith tradition. I'm doing something that, that's a little uncomfortable and awkward. But let me tell you about Jesus. And what does he do? He points people to Jesus. He, he says this in verse 34. And I'm, I, last night I was sitting there reviewing my notes. I was like, am I going to read all of this? And I am because this is the gospel. And this is why we're here. This is the word of God, and we're going to let this wash over. This is what we proclaim right here. So Peter opened up his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, You yourselves know what happened throughout all of Judea. Meaning, like, hey, you've heard the rumors. I'm here to tell you the rumors are true. Beginning from Galilee, from the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. If you're sitting in here saying, man, I don't know if I believe in Jesus, but I'm here today, I'm here to tell you that God, Jesus, wants to bring healing to your life. He wants to literally set you free. And we are witnesses, verse 39, of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him appear to appear, not to all the people, but to the ones whom he had chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach uh, to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness. To everyone who believes in him, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Do you know what Peter's doing there? He's simply pointing people to Jesus. And the moment that we stop pointing people to Jesus as a church is the moment that we've fallen out of alignment with what the heartbeat of God is. And I'm here to tell you, we are not up here to preach a political agenda. We're not up here to talk about a bunch of hot social topics. We are here to proclaim the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ to this community, to the city of Albany, and wherever else that God would lead us in the future. That is what we are about Jesus and man and I just need to say this if there's anything that gets in the way of people hearing the perfect gospel of Jesus the life-giving gospel of Jesus man we need to remove it this is why little insider pulling back the window every political season we get an email hey can such and such politician come and speak at your church no because we preach Jesus not a Republican party or a Democrat party. I don't care who you vote for. But I do care about Jesus. I do care about what he can do. I do care about the kingdom of God. And we want to be a church that constantly goes back to Jesus with everything that we do. So they're sitting there. And this is what I love. Peter's preaching. And while he's preaching, God interrupts Peter. Catch catch this right here. Let me just read this, and then I'll give you my last point, and we'll get all crazy. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Could you just imagine that for a minute? Could you just imagine I'm up here, and I'm like, you got to love Jesus. And then people just like, you know, start falling out in the Spirit or whatever. Don't do that right now, all right? But like, could you imagine if the Holy Spirit really just invaded us and took over? He said, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, which means that this gift of the Holy Spirit that we have access to, the Jewish people thought was so incredibly precious that there's no way that God would give it to other people. But what did God do? He sent it out to other people. This is just the fulfillment of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And here we are in Caesarea, and that's not even the ends of the earth. That's only 35 miles away. And God's already starting to pour out his Spirit on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and exalting God. And Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Basically, I thought we were going to get baptized first, and then you receive the Holy Spirit. But how many of us know that God is sovereign and God can change our idea or our plans? God can step in and say, "Hey, they don't need to be water baptized. Let's get them drunk in the Spirit first. Let's get them filled with the Holy Spirit first. Let's get them speaking in tongues." Michael, you're, you're sounding crazy. Look, I'm just reading the Bible, and like let's. And then Peter's like, "Well, I mean, God's already on them. What am I going to do? I'm, you can't get baptized. Got to get circumcised first. No! What did he do? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Cornelius was hungry, and God shows up when his people are hungry. And man, I want to be a church that is hungry for God, I want to be a church that is hungry for what God is going to do. You know what I think is interesting right here is Peter fell asleep praying while he was hungry, and God took the physical of him being hungry in the physical and said, no, 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 I want to make you hungry for the spiritual. I'm going to use what's happening here in this hunger that you have to birth something in the spiritual to where you start to allow that hunger to well up, and you've got a hunger for souls. You've got a hunger for salvation. You've got a deeper hunger for me. You've got a hunger for my presence. And watch what I can do. I want to ask you something today, church. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for more of Him? Are you hungry for the people that are out there walking Lark Street or down here just right around the corner on a Saturday night? Are you hungry for the battered women in the women's shelter? Are you hungry for the students that you're going to end up seeing, your peers that you're going to end up seeing who are coming from broken homes? Are you hungry to see God do something and manifest something again? Are you hungry? Now, I want to do something. I want to show you guys a video. And I think that this video kind of encompasses all of this that we've been talking about right here. It's a testimony which I think is really cool because testimony literally means do it again, do it again, God do it again. And so I want to show you guys a testimony of a young man that many of you know, and if you don't know, you're about to meet him. And I want to just talk about for just a moment, whenever this video is done, of what it looks like to make room, what it looks like to have a hunger, what it looks like to be a church that does what the Bible says. So if you guys would, let's watch this video.
1: Hi, my name is Brody Stewart. I have been coming to City Church for almost four years now. About nine months ago, I was um, under the influence of marijuana and I um, was just not having, I was really struggling with my faith and I didn't know where I was or what I was doing with my life. I was flunking out of school and the world really um, took a hold of me. The, The devil took a hold of me And, um, I just, I wanted to be seen, and I saw all that from other people, but I didn't see that from God, yet. I was very, very rebellious. Um, I sort of, in a way, despised my family, in a sense. I saw a lot of favoritism going on, but that was just something that was in my heart. It wasn't actually going on, and, you know, I was into marijuana and smoking and, I just wanted to be cool and be around friends, which really affected my my walk. One day I was under the influence of my friend's house and I looked in the mirror and God told me to come home son. And I went home and that night I found out that I was going to New York stone quarries to go live in a home with a couple of guys. So I was under the household of Aaron O'Brien and with a couple of other guys I was living with. and. Um, they really soaked me with fellowship, community, and accountability. And that was just really good for me at the time. And, they, and one of the guys showed the love of Jesus very, very well. Um, and I'm so thankful for him. His name's Keegan Heinrich. Um, he was really an older brother figure to me. And I've had so many in my life. But that guy just, he really, like, beat me up in a sense, you know. And he really showed me the love of Christ in a whole different way that I haven't seen um God really showed me love through the community I was around. Um they all really cared for me and I felt like I was seen for the first time, but not by those people, but by God. And God really took a hold of me while I was there. Um he showed me that no matter what walk of faith you were in, you can always go back to him. And it really hit me one day and it's just I've been on fire since So I am back home currently, Um, I'm living with my parents and I'm on fire for Christ. I am uh, doing the internship coming this September. I am um, gonna be a part of the youth ministry here and I'm serving in all aspects and I will be working at Chick-fil-A. So in this walk of life, I hope God shows me um, theology and he makes me more wise, that um, he helps me reach more people I hope to be a better influence to the younger kids around me so they don't have to go through the path that I went down. All the city youth, um, don't be afraid to put your hands up in worship because there's nothing better than worship, worshiping Christ. I just, this place, it, it's just built up on fellowship. Um, I've had so many men throughout the walk of life and women um, be in my corner and always support me no matter what no matter if it was drug abuse, if it was um, the hate that I was giving my parents, if it was just any walk of life. I, I'm always supported here. I hope um, that I can be a good influence to the younger community, that um, I will be built up and that this internship is just life changing. So God really called me to, uh, to go minister to the people that I used to go to school with, those friends that pulled me away from God, because they all live in broken homes. And I just want to show them that, you know, there is something better. There is something greater in life. I want to thank the O'Briens, because they opened up their home um, and showed the love of God to me. I want to thank Adrian, Um, shout out to my boy. Um, He was really the first guy that came up to me and he started discipling me. Even though I, I didn't believe in God, um, he truly did show the love of God and he was just a great guy. I want to thank Nathan Westfall, the same thing. He, uh, he did tr- show the love of God and he did disciple me very well. Um, I want to thank Mike Moore. Um, he's like a spiritual father to me. Um, he's always been there for me since day one. I want to thank my parents for putting up with all the crap over the years. Um, I'm sorry, and I love you, all of you, I love all of you.
0: Yeah, y'all good up for him. that's good. So, I have permission to say this, Uh, Brody wants to become, and I want to talk uh, church for just a second, this is as real as it gets, Brody wants to be the youth pastor here one day, And so, yeah, get excited. Some of y'all are like, oh, my gosh, he's going to be pastoring my kids. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, I believe it's our responsibility, if that's the vision and the desire that God's put in his heart, to help fan the flame in that, to disciple him, to lead him. And he told me I could say this so that you can all hold him to a higher standard because he needs to be held to a higher standard. His words not mine. But one of the cool things about this is several months ago, and my gosh, it may have even been close to a year ago now. I'm not, I don't remember. Um, But I remember getting a call from Aaron O'Brien, and this is how Aaron talks to me. We have a very real conversation. He goes, Reverend, I need to talk to you. I was like, all right, are you about to leave the church? Did I do something? Like all this stuff. So I text, or I told Aaron, like, come on down to the office, and we'll have this conversation. As he comes into his office into the office and he's like all covered in rock dust or whatever it is that they do down there. I don't I don't know. He sits down and he's like, Reverend, God has just wrecked my life lately. And he just starts telling me everything that God was doing in his life, and how he's in his mid 40s, and he doesn't want to miss the calling of God on his life, and how God is telling him to kind of take over this ministry and to open up his home for people that are that are broken and that are that are hurting. And you know what it was? Is as he was sharing all this, God was making room in his heart and making room in his home for God to send him. Um, men or young boys to be able to go in and to be in an environment where they can be encouraged and discipled, and as Brody said, um, uh, beat up, spiritually speaking, in a good way. And so Aaron O'Brien, can you stand up for just a second? Y'all, like, I just... So he wasn't leaving the church, which was good whenever we met, I was... I was... You know and we we're able to have a good conversation and 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 god is, and i've been down there man god is continuing to just move in their life and and then brody moves in and, and god starts i'm telling you it was like night and day i remember lauren his mom coming up to me it's like my son raised his hands in worship what happened and like Um, and, And now all he does is talk about Jesus, and he wants to serve, and he wants to be involved. Now, what's interesting about this is Aaron had to make room in his heart. God was preparing Brody's room in his heart. His mother was sitting there praying the whole time. God ends up revealing a plan to Lauren and to David, so they ship him off over down to the quarry. In the middle of all that, Aaron points him to Jesus. The Holy Spirit falls on Brody's life. He ends up leaving that, and he's saying, I'm passionate about Jesus, and I want to go reach my friends. I want to see this community change. I want to help build a youth ministry where hundreds of teenagers are empowered in encountering the Holy Spirit. Man, you know what's awesome about this? Is this exactly what happened in different contexts with Cornelius and with Peter? You know the crazy thing about Cornelius is Cornelius ended up radically being transformed by the power of God and became the bishop of the church in Caesarea because of Peter's obedience to move because of Peter's obedience to make room. Imagine what could happen if we did that. Imagine the lives that could get changed. Imagine the lives that would be impacted. Listen, I say this all the time. I'm not here for like cookie cutter, perfect church. Let's get messy. Let's get real. Let's have these real conversations. Let's get around real broken people and see God use our gifting. Our talents, what little bit we have for his glory. Will you stand to your feet this morning? As we dim the lights in the back, I just want to close with this. We're going to sing this song. It starts with us making room in our heart, our heart, for more of God. I don't know where you are today, but I'm here to tell you, man, you serve a God who will go through anything to grab and to get your attention. We serve a God who will tear down the walls of religion and tradition to grab a hold of your heart. We serve a God who will meet you in the muck and in the miry and in the the brokenness and restore you and pull you up. We serve a God who His Holy Spirit wants to empower you. my question for you today is, are you hungry. Father, I just ask that we would be a church today that is marked by a hunger for you. God, that we would be a church that is marked by your presence, marked by your Holy Spirit, marked with a hunger for souls the way that it says in the psalmist uh, writes about how we need to cry for a harvest of souls. God, that there would be a harvest of souls in Albany and in Troy and Schenectady and Rensselaer and everywhere else, Father, that we would see you move, we would see you breathe, we would see you do something in this community, that we would see the gospel go forth and that we would be able to point people to Jesus in the fullness of the gospel and that you would do what only you can do. And so, Father, create room in our heart right now. Create room in our, our heart right now. We welcome you. Listen, as we worship with this last song, if you need prayer, I wanna invite you just to come down front. We wanna pray with you. We wanna encourage you. If you just need to come down front and just worship, man, let's get hungry for what God wants to do. If we can have our prayer team just come down and maybe some of our leaders, let's just believe that God can do the impossible. And teenagers, I just wanna say this, I'm proud of you guys. I love y'all, and I'm excited what God's going to do. Amen.